0: In the world of glamour and high fashion, a new crime syndicate is taking
1: over. Peekaboo. I watched this guy coming up through the Irish gangs and now he's ruthless. He's infiltrated every aspect of my business. Their
0: methods are brutal.
1: Promise me if anything should happen to me, he'll take care of you.
0: The one thing they didn't count on was an enemy
1: who wouldn't
0: back down.
1: You know, these people they steal, they murder, destroy
0: people's lives, and get away with it. Kercy's no amateur. You've got a problem. Charles Bronson is back. I'm coming for you, O'Shea. And this time, he's not leaving until his wish is their command. No judge, no jury, no appeal, and no deals. The cops take these guys down. Sometimes the law works. And sometimes it doesn't. It's showtime. It's Where's the girl? Charles Bronson. Guns make you nervous. Death wish. Welcome to the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson Podcast. I am your host, Scott White, and I am joined once again by my good friend, Mr. Sean Penalber. Say hello, everybody. To Say hey. hey. Say, Say hello, hey. hey. hey,
1: hey. <laughs> How's it going, everybody?
0: So, Sean and I, and well, I, I it's, it's not Raul. How do you pronounce his name? I want to pronounce his name correctly. Rahul. Rahul. Sean, I, and Rahul did Death Wish 3... A couple of months ago, and I I think we all agreed that that was the best
1: movie ever made. Definitely out of all the Death Wishes, that is absolutely the best one.
0: (laughs) And I've already done Death Wish 4 on my channel, so now we're going to do Death Wish 5, The Face of Death.
1: The final Death Wish uh, with Charles Bronson.
0: Before we get were... into Death Wish 5, you said that you watched Death Wish 4 and didn't enjoy it. Just give us a little overview on your thoughts
1: of Death Wish 4 before we get into Death Wish 5. Uh, so, uh, two things. I'll go through Death Wish 4, but I also want to talk about Paul Kersey and who he has become through all the movies before we get into Death Wish 5. Death Wish 4... I rewatched all of them yesterday on, like, four times speed. It, was, <laughs> it only took me, like, an hour and a half to watch all, all four movies. The first time around when I watched Death Deathless 4, it was just boring. Like, I just couldn't get into it. And I kept, like, pausing it and then going back to it. Uh, but on four times speed, it wasn't as bad. I, okay. All right. <laughs> um, and so he gets in with the cartel or whoever they are and essentially just, like, starts taking them out. Um, (laughs) I'm I'm mixing them all together. Death Um, Wish
0: 4 is when one cartel hires him to take out the other cartel.
1: Yes, 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 yes. And he just does it. And he uses a lot of weapons and a lot of kills in that one. Uh, Not as many kills as Death Wish 3, but almost. World War 2 doesn't have as many kills as Death Wish Uh, 3. So you wanted to talk about the progression of Paul Kersey. Yeah, so uh, now we're on Death Wish 5, and this is the finale of the Death Wish. And so I thought I'd, you know, give a little synopsis of who Paul Kersey was and now who he is. And so uh, he started off as an architect. Um, he was in the medical corps in the Korean War as a CO, or as he says in multiple movies, a conscientious objector. His father was a hunter, and so he grew up with guns. But his father was killed by a gun, and so he never touched one again, even in the war, until Death Wish One. And then in Death Wish One, after his wife and daughter uh, are killed, his first weapon of choice was two rolls of quarters in a sock. Yeah. Which he doesn't end up using, he just puts them in the sock. And then he gets an 1842 percussion pistol, a hog leg colt. A thirty-two Colt police positive, and that's his first murder weapon, and that's what he uses throughout the rest of the movie. And he kills ten people in Death Wish one. In Death Wish two, the weapons he uses are Beretta eighty-four, a Colt model nineteen oh three pocket hammerless, and also he uses electricity to kill somebody. The kill count in twelve is twelve in Death Wish two. In Death Wish three, uh, he's got a Colt Cobra. A 475 uh, Wildy Magnum, which is his main weapon, the giant gun. Uh, he kills someone with a car in this one. Uh, he's got a Browning M1919 machine gun, which he kills a lot of people with. He sets up a booby trap with a knife on it, which stabs some guy in the head. And he also uses an anti tank weapon against the ultimate boss. Uh, the kill count in that movie was 51. And in Death Wish 4, uh, he's got the most weapons. He uses a Walther PPK a tire iron, a wine bottle time bomb, a MAC-10. He uses his fist to beat up a guy and then defenestrates him. Uh, He's got a micro-Uzi, a Walter PP, a Ruger Mini-14, an M203 grenade launcher, and an M16. And in Death Wish 4, he kills 35 people. And in all that time, across four movies, he's dealt with a dead wife, a dead daughter, a dead maid, a dead war buddy, a dead love interest, a dead girlfriend's daughter, and several dead acquaintances. And he was left by a fiancé. And now we're at Death Wish 5. And now we are at Death Wish 5,
0: which is not a canon movie. Death Wish 2 through 4 were all canon movies. Well, why do you say
1: that? No, the... Oh, oh, canon with the producers. I'm thinking of canon like uh, the connections of movies. And is this canon or not? No, yes, this is canon. But the the canon movie, Golan, Golan and Globus, this is definitely canon.
0: In the Death Wish. All the Death Wish movies are connected. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. The time gets a little wobbly. They play with the the timeline a
1: little bit through all these. I don't know Go how ahead. much time passed between Death Wish 3, 4, and 5. Because I think from 3 to 4, it was like 10 years. But I don't know about 4 and 5. They, they never discussed that. Well, Charles Bronson in real life was 73 when this movie was made. Which is crazy. Because really, he doesn't
0: look seventy-three. He does. To put it in perspective, and I don't mean to get a downer here, but we just lost the great actor William Hurt, and he died at seventy-one. So here's Charles Bronson, two years past that, doing an action movie and yeah. doing pretty
1: well in the action movie, I must say. Yeah, really, I, you, I, I would have guessed he was in his sixties, really, late fifties even. He he held out pretty well for a while.
0: So we are we're back in New York. And Charles Bronson has another fiancé, and you're like, oh, oh, that poor woman. She's never going to make it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she has no chance living with this guy. She has
0: no chance. What happens is Charles Bronson's new girlfriend is a fashion designer whose ex-husband is a guy named Tommy O'Shea who runs... The Irish mob in New York.
1: Yeah, and it, and it doesn't even seem like he's Irish either. Like it was very, it was a stretch. It was a stretch. They also have a daughter,
0: the fashion designer and Tommy O'Shea. They have a daughter.
1: Yeah, but she's just used for the plot. Like she's, she right. shows up maybe two times in the whole movie. Incidental in the movie. Could yeah. she
0: could not she could have not been in this movie. It wouldn't affected it at all.
1: Um, And so one thing I noticed is within the first five minutes of this movie, there's more nudity than all the others combined. And not only there is, but like it's the first time that it's nonviolent nudity. There are no rapes
0: in this movie. Yeah. I don't believe there was a rape in four either. So four and five Death Wish one, two and three were all directed by Michael Winner. All three of them had really graphic rape scenes in them. Four and five, not directed by
1: him, no rape scenes in either of those.
0: I'm just yeah, putting I, that out there.
1: <laughs> I guess they learned their lesson. And uh, also, Charles Bronson in this film, he wasn't going to come back originally from what I was reading, but uh, when he got, the, his, uh, what, he got the price of what he was going to make, and then he was like, okay, but I want it to be, I want the character to be more sympathetic and nice and not like uh they were going in the direction of like 3 and 4 which i think killed the movie.
0: Yeah, they well he's 73 in this movie and i think they adapted him correctly. He's more he's more sneaky in this movie which i guess you would have to be at 73. You can't go toe to toe with these criminals at 73. Yeah. So he's he's a little more stealth in this movie which i think works out. I want to say the guy who played the main bad guy Tommy O'Shea, Michael Park. Yes. I thought he did a great job. He was despicable. You hated him from the moment he came on the screen.
1: Yeah, I he did a great agree. job of embodying just an evil son of a bitch. The only complaint was that is like it didn't seem Irish, but at the same time, it's like it doesn't matter. This guy, you hate him. Like literally, he is a scumbag from start to finish. And apparently he improvised a lot of his lines.
0: Yeah, he's just got... Uh, ugh. He's the bad guy. It's like, oh, man, I cannot wait for him to get his comeuppance.
1: Yeah. You want that the whole movie. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I, I, the whole time I'm like, I recognize this guy. Uh, he's the guy from all the Tarantino films. The uh, He plays Earl McGraw, the, the ranger. And also he was in Tusk. I don't know if you've seen that, but that was a lot of fun. Oh, the Walrus movie? Yes.
0: I've heard of it. I haven't seen
1: it. I know what you're talking about. Uh, Check it out. Definitely say check it out. Paul's dating a fashion designer. We got O'Shea. And it starts off like immediately uh, O'Shea goes in the back of this warehouse uh, because they're doing this fashion show. And he's just fat shaming the warehouse owner to be like, why aren't you laundering my things more? And for some reason, there's just a giant pool of acid in this warehouse. And, yes, a
0: giant pool of sulfuric acid. I don't know that it's never explained. Yeah. I don't.
1: Like every every building in New York comes with a pool of sulfuric acid. It's just the way it is. And so he throws this mannequin in with like this $1500 jacket and then he throws in a bunch more jackets for no reason except to just be a bully. Uh and it's just like Why this is this has to go against like OSHA laws. Like there's no there's no reason why there's this giant pool of acid in this fashion warehouse. But it is foreshadowing. The big guy, he's supposed to be laundering Tommy's money. And the problem is
0: they're moving more money than merchandise. So that's why they're destroying the merchandise. And he's like, yeah, forget your merchandise. Just launder my money. Tommy is there with his two thugs. Uh, They're Sal and I don't know the other guy's name uh i think frankie sal and frankie you're right sal and frankie and tommy o'Shea is not irish tommy and frankie make up for it for being overly italian yeah in this movie yeah he might not be irish but tommy and hey what are you talking about hey i'm i'm disappointed in you what the fuck is going on
1: so they make up for it for being doubly italian and tommy o'Shea was supposed to be italian but when they gave the part to Michael Parks, they were like, yeah, this isn't going to work. And so they're just <laughs> like, let's make it Irish. At least they had the
0: self-awareness to know that it wouldn't work. I didn't try to give him an Italian accent and make him,
1: make him go Italian. So right after this scene is when, like, Paul really has his first, like, talking lines. And to me, I don't know if it's just me, but it seems that, Paul, uh, that Charles Bronson's voice went up a register in this movie. Like it just seems higher. What is this? Oh, Tommy. Is this him? You got a problem? The
0: guns make you nervous. Guns have their uses. Idiots with guns make me nervous.
1: Put it away. Uh yeah, but just for some reason, once he opened his mouth, I was like, "Is his voice higher?" <laughs> and I guess that came with age for him or something. I'm I'm guessing it will. We
0: did miss one part. So Tommy O'Shea is actually threatening this. What's his name? What's he, uh, yeah, Char- Charlie? Charlie, the foreman. He's threatening the foreman with this saw. This black man Reggie. sees this. Who works Reggie? Who sees it works there? Runs over. And Tommy O'Shea dropped the N bomb, dude. It's like yeah, I, right? I made you, I made you the head N word here,
1: and you, this is how you repay me. I'm, I was like, wow, okay. And so, yeah, he's fat shaming this guy, slapping his belly and everything, making fun of him. And then, yeah, and then just drops the hard racist. Yeah. And you immediately hate this guy. Like it's just like, yeah. you know you're in for uh, some death wish coming down on this
0: man. Yeah. And then so Sal slashes uh, Reggie's face with a knife. So it's all set up that there's no nuance in this movie. The bad guys are bad and the good guys are good.
1: Yeah. And so after that, uh, the police come to Paul Kersey and they're just like, uh, they're trying to get Tommy O'Shea and he's been on his radar for a while. And he's like, uh, yeah, I'm going after him too. And they're basically like, okay. <laughs> because after death wish three now paul is on the side of the police and they just use him as the their death wish well they've given up all pretense of hiding his identity yeah
0: he's paul Kersey in this movie he's back to be in other in the other movies he was using aliases But in this movie, he's back to being Paul Kersey. So the district attorney and his assistant show up at Paul Kersey's house, and he's like, my fiancé, she wants to testify against Tommy O'Shea. She wants him out of her life. And the district attorney's like, yeah,
1: great, Uh, beautiful, bring her in. We'll talk. Yeah, they've been trying to catch him for a while, and so, like, to have that would be good. But little do we know, one of those guys is on the bad side.
0: Spoiler alert!
1: (laughs) And so then yeah. they go out they're eating they're at this restaurant this fancy restaurant and Paul proposes in literally the most casual way I've ever seen by just pulling the ring out of his pocket and putting it on the table and that's it he doesn't even ask he doesn't even ask he puts it down she opens and she says i bet it's beautiful
0: yes yeah. <laughs> before she doesn't before she even opens it she's like i bet it's beautiful it's it's the most low energy proposal ever. And once again, she's she's in her she's in her forties, which is a mature woman, but that's still thirty some odd years younger
1: than Paul, uh, you know, than, than Charles Bronson in this movie. Yeah. But uh again, like we were talking about earlier, he doesn't look so old that it, it kind of wasn't too far off. He didn't look like her father. Yeah,
0: exactly. He looked older than she did, but, I mean, that's natural. And so it wasn't too bad. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. So she goes to the powder room, and while this happens, Tommy O'Shea comes in with his guys, and Tommy O'Shea and Charles Bronson, they're giving each other the stink eye. She's in the bathroom, and then we see this quote-unquote woman come into a bathroom, and this is one of Tommy—this is Tommy O'Shea's head hitman, Freddie Flake, dressed as a woman, ties (laughs) up— bronson's fiance, and then starts smashing her face into a mirror and it's like
1: that's the most gruesome scene in the movie i would say yeah uh because they, they they're like it looks like they were really smashing someone's face into a mirror um and the cross-dressing is never explained at all and he never does it again but it's it seems that like he does it all the time from a little um explanation i explanation later is frankie likes
0: to use disguises when he does a hit oh okay but there's a later scene i'll I'll talk about it when we get there but there's a later scene that hints that he is a cross dresser and likes to dress in women's clothing so we'll get to that when we get there but he just wrecks her face yeah and you know don't testify against tommy and, and then leaves and then Charles Bronson gets concerned,
1: walks up the stairs, and sees her coming down the stairs with her face all bloodied. And then they take her to the hospital, and they do the whole... Uh, she's never going to recover. Her face is always going to be bad. But really, when she comes out, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. It's not as bad. She's going to have some for, battle scars, but... She's going to have some battle
0: scars. And in, this, in real life and in the movie, she was a model, so her face is her living her face is what the world knows about her so to wreck that is just to wreck the core of the woman yeah and the police come
1: and so the police are there and the district attorney is there and charles bronson is there and yeah at this point paul has had enough and so he's like i'm going after him and they're just like okay he he goes after him but then he reconsiders and he does the whole
0: voiceover in his head he gets the gun out and he's going to load the bullets in, and then he hears, "No, I'm going to let the police handle it,"
1: which is a mistake. Yeah, and then the thugs go and they kill Reggie because they think that Reggie was a rat and was like trying to get investigating them when it was Paul. Right. They think Reggie was the one talking to people, and they put he they put
0: his head he put it they put his hands first in one of those old fashioned dry cleaning uh machines like a steam press a steam press they put they put both of his hands in there and they put his head in there and then they just put a bullet in his head
1: and that's the end of reggie (laughs) they were literally about to just leave and then like the other one of the guys is just like nah and then they shoot him and we don't see it but they shoot him we don't see it and normally in hollywood that means they're still alive
0: that's an out I think they do that in Hollywood a lot. If you if somebody is killed off screen, if they need to bring them back, they can. Yeah, but they don't. Reggie is gone. There's a lot of collateral damage in the beginning of this movie, and Reggie is one of them. Reggie is Reggie is gone.
1: Yeah, and so Charlie gets asked to wear a pen mic to get some evidence on O'Shea and his gang. Obviously, they know about it, and so like they take the other pen, and so Charlie gets all like. Oh my gosh, they know, they know. And so for some reason like he freaks out rather than going back to the police. He's throwing out the pen, he's throwing out the mic. And then he's just standing in the street and he gets hit. Like the they, they take
0: him out with the car. Now while all this is happening, there is a a, a young female Asian cop who's working with Charlie and she realizes she's like, "Oh shit, he's been made." And like you said, instead of him going back to her for protection, he starts wandering around. So she has to run after Charlie and Frankie Flake. We get two great car stunts in a row. Yeah. Frankie Flake hits Charlie and sends him careening through uh, one of these wind a cafe window. While people are eating, he hits him like he like Charlie goes flying
1: through that. He goes
0: flying. And then the cop. She comes running around the corner to start shooting at Freddy and Freddy hits her with the car and I want that stunt woman it, he she really got hit with that car that it, was yeah. an that was a fantastic stunt but whoever, whoever that stunt woman was god bless
1: her because she pulled that stunt off perfectly she took i think she took like eight shots at that car and didn't get anything <laughs> yeah. and she got hit so now we're back at the
0: hospital Charlie is, once again, Charlie is dead, and the cop, she's dead. Charles Bronson starts talking to the head cop. Well, how is she?
1: She's gone. What the hell are you doing there anyway? You're not thinking of going back to your old ways, are you? Is that such a bad idea? Let the cops take these guys down.
0: You know, sometimes the law works, and sometimes it doesn't. You know, these
1: people, they steal, they murder, destroy people's lives, and get away with it. They have alibis, money, lawyers, power. (sighs) They have everything. Tell me something. How long have you been trying to take these guys down? Sixteen years. These guys are pros. It's it's not like some gang of dope dog muggers. Sixteen years? It's a long time to be failing.
0: What you said makes sense now, because Charles Bronson is really ambivalent at the beginning. He wants to go back to his ways, but he's like no no i'm gonna I'm gonna wait it out i'm going to let the cops take care of it i'm going to let them do their job, which is all a detriment to him and his family and the people that he loves.
1: If only Paul <laughs> and so they take Olivia home, yep, they unwrap her. <laughs>
0: Because, yes, just to mention when she 's in the hospital, she is comically bandaged. she looks like the mummy. There is no subtlety in this
1: movie. The way that the doctor uh, like was like she 'll never recover from this, she 'll never be the same again. I was expecting way more like face makeup and everything to like like way more scarring than there was, but like again, like you said, any scarring for a model is going to be devastating. Well, they take her back
0: home. And she's still going to testify against Tommy O'Shea. And Paul's like, I want to test something. And he calls the district attorney and he says, Olivia is not going to testify. And the district attorney is like, no, no, no. And Paul's like, that's final. And he hangs up and then he realizes, okay, somebody has tapped his phone. People have been listening into our conversations. That's how they know what's going on. So he ends up going to the district attorney's house. He's there with his assistant, his wife, and his son. And he says Olivia is going to testify. And the district attorney's like, send some people over to protect her. As you said before, one of these people is either the district attorney or his assistant. One of these people
1: are dirty. Yes, the lieutenant guy. Hector Vasquez.
0: Yes, the district attorney's assistant is dirty because Charles Bronson gets back to his her his house or her his her house uh one of them what he gets back to a house and then the the police show up and it's freddie flake again and it's so uh, so charles bronson looks out the peephole and freddie flake he looks like he's dressed in a suit his hair is combed he looks like an he looks like an fbi agent but the other two henchmen are standing with their backs turned it's like what That's not going to be a giveaway. Somebody looking out the peephole, seeing these two guys with their backs turned to you. Yeah.
1: And so uh, it obviously gives it away. And he turns around and he starts running and he's like, Olivia, uh, quick, go out the like the fire escape or whatever and get out of here. Like run. Yeah. And then one of the like heaviest firefights happens and Paul somehow just like runs out of all of it at 73 years old he just can dodge all of these bullets like well let's just it's not
0: it's not charles bronson this is obviously a stuntman doing this yes yes because you can clearly see that there's a wig on his head but his arms are constantly covering his face the way he's running and i know charles bronson couldn't do that but it was just like so this is obviously a stunt double dodging Machine gun fire, which I thought that I thought that was kind of
1: hilarious. Yeah, like in in real life, no way you're escaping this machine gun fire. Like in real life, he's dead in the doorway. Yeah, but
0: he's dodging the bullets and Olivia has a secret passageway in her house because he he goes behind these secret doors
1: and comes out another part of the house and out through a skylight onto the roof. Unfortunately, uh, the other guys are not. Freddie is not far behind her, and he shoots her, and she falls off the roof, and that's the end of Olivia. Oh, another one! Another one bites the dust. Another fiance gone, and that's like three. That's three wives, uh, plus a girlfriend. Wife and number one killed. Fiance and number two left him.
0: Girlfriend and yes. number three killed. Fiance and number four killed. Fiance in number five, killed. He just can't get a break. He can't get a break. And Charles Bronson's emotional acting has not improved. I think he's a good actor, but he doesn't really emote. Because the, the way the, the scene... It's, I, I thought it was filmed pretty well. Is Olivia falls and she hits the cement outside a glass door where Bronson's is standing. So he actually sees her body hit the cement. And he walks out and he is somewhat concerned that she's dead and then they start shooting at him again and he and at 73 (laughs) he jumps off the side of a he jumps off the side of a building and lands in a pile of garbage and is fine
1: conveniently placed garbage (laughs) conveniently because i mean like they live in this like rich house and there's just this pile of garbage outside. Yeah, this
0: is this is a high end neighborhood,
1: and it's and this this house is next to a
0: a garbage dump apparently, and a couple of things. It's like one, the guy's seventy three, so I don't think he could land. You know, landing on garbage, he's still gonna shatter a hip or something. But two, garbage isn't saw There's metal cans, there's glass, there's a whole bunch of stuff in garbage that if you fell on would mess you up.
1: They were throwing out uh, stale muffins. It's, it's stale muffin and pillow day at the garbage dump. He'll be fine. And what I loved is, like, both of them, when they fell, did the classic, like, we are falling onto one of those giant airbag things. Like, they did the flip onto their back. The they did the flip. They did the arm flailing and the flip. They both did that, yeah. And so it, it, it was just classic. That, that kind of took me out. But right when he hits the garbage, the police show up. And they're just like, help him up. They're just like, oh, you, you all right, buddy? And they don't even like go inside, you know. Like they're just like, Let, let's get you, let's get you, you know, cleaned up. Well, they don't even
0: know who he is.
1: They yeah. To be the bad guy, they just go, uh, Hey, oh, it's like this guy.
0: There's just been a major gunfight, and there's this guy lying in the garbage. How
1: about questioning him? So after that, O'Shea gets custody of. Oh man, uh, like they're interviewing him. Uh, Because his wife is dead now. And they're like, what are you going to do? And he's like, I I think I'm just going to go play some golf. Yeah, I need a vacation. My life's a a fucking soap opera. And so he gets custody of the daughter. Paul comes in to, like, the house, like, the guy's house. And out of five movies, this is the first time Paul Kersey gets knocked out. They knock him out. Because Tommy O'Shea wants his... He doesn't love his daughter
0: with him... It's just principle. With him, she's just property. Yeah. She's my property. I don't want any, I don't love her. I don't even want her around. It's just the
1: idea of somebody else having her that drives it, drives him crazy. I guess she would have gone to Paul Kersey, even though they're only engaged, you know? And so, like, he was the ex husband. So, uh, yeah. I guess it is his daughter. It is his daughter. He has every, whether you like it or
0: not. He has every legal right to have her, because it is his daughter. Paul Kersey, Charles Bronson, has no right to this, to this girl. That sounds terrible. Uh, had no right to, you know, take care of this girl, unless you know when she reaches a eighteen or whatever, and she's her own person, maybe. But but he gets knocked out, and we talked about how. Charles Bronson looks like he's in good shape in just about every death wish movie or actually every Charles Bronson movie where he's older you see a scene of him working out or jogging like in this film you see him jogging it's like okay that explains why he can do what he does he's keeping in shape oh, man. that's just letting us know as a viewer it's like okay he may be older but he still takes good care of himself that's why he can pull off what he's going to be able what, what he's going to do in this movie.
1: they gotta explain at least something he has had enough
0: he has had enough
1: and so uh
0: now he's going after the family
1: yeah and we get his first kill shortly after and not even with a gun and so he goes after chicky peconi and he puts cyanide in like the sugar and puts it on the guy's cannoli
0: yes so it's a it's a it's sal and chicky are tommy o'shea's two main uh, henchmen and their brothers. Yeah. And yes. it's set, it's set up that Chicky likes junk food. He's eating he's eating suckers all through. He likes he likes junk food. He likes sweets. That's set up through the entire movie. Yeah. He's like always and got a sucker g- in his mouth. Always got a sucker to, and the cafe that they're at is run by his sister and his mother. So this is like really a So he goes into the cafe, Bronson is there. And Bronson surreptitiously puts cyanide
1: on his cannolis. As Chicky is dying, like the mom is freaking out. She, she, she's just like, what, what's the matter? What's the matter? And then she runs outside. She's like, someone help. Someone help. And Paul walks up to Chicky and just says, hey, you got a problem? And then she slams his face on the table. And that's <laughs> it. And Chicky's dead.
0: And he walks out. And once again, typical Italian women, help me, what is, help me. It's, it's, a, oh, my boy, my boy, my boy is, a, help me get to the police. And then, what? so the next scene is the funeral for Chicky, And it's the typical Italian, he was a good boy. These Italian mothers who don't recognize what their sons are doing or their daughters are doing. Oh, he was a good boy. I he did not deserve this. Even though like the entire mob is there. The entire mob is there, but I think it's just nobody wanted
1: to be there. It's just tradition. And I also enjoy how, like, in the following scenes, after every other guy dies, they have another funeral. (laughs) Like, uh, Like, the same day. It's like, they're just like, oh, we're right back here again. This is where we find out that the DA's
0: assistant is the leak. Yeah, because there, there's a scene in Tommy O'Shea's apartment with him and Sal and the DA's assistant comes in and explains, well, you just pissed off Paul Kersey and he's going to go down the list. So Tommy's Tommy is like, OK, you take care of him. So now the the DA's assistant
1: is going to go after Paul Kersey, even though uh, Paul Kersey going after everybody else. And so Paul's on the loose. They know it. And so Paul decides to go to a toy store, and uh, he's checking out a remote control soccer ball. And the guy, I can't remember exactly what the guy says, but he's like, oh, you're getting a birthday present? And, like, Paul's just like, oh, it's a gift of some kind or something like that. It's a gift for someone special. Yes. And I understand what the
0: ball is used in the movie. It's just a remote control soccer ball where you can – like a remote control car, except it's a soccer ball. Yeah. Who in real life would buy one of those? <laughs> what?
1: That, that is the most useless toy ever. I bet if you kick it once, that's it. Like, it's probably it. not going to work anymore. It's broke. You kick it once especially in 1994 uh, so he buys the remote control
0: soccer ball and now we cut to freddie flake's house and he pulls up with his girlfriend and here's what i was talking about earlier they get out of his car he says oh you look great in that dress do you think it would fit me so oh, obviously I that line yeah okay. so obviously he's a cross dresser of some sort and that's that's his one of his kinks and she's into it. She's like, I don't know, it might. And we've and we need to set up that Frankie Flake is security conscious to the point of paranoia. His house is a fortress. His house has searchlights, his house has a gate, his house has alarms. And we uh, and a scene earlier, Charles Bronson drives by his house and he does some recon.
1: So that's why he knows what to do with the soccer ball, and so Freddie's in the bathtub, and one thing why he's called Freddie Flake is because he 's got a super bad dandruff problem, and so he's in the bathtub with the the woman, and she's putting some like special dandruff shampoo on his head when Paul puts the soccer ball through the gate and sets off the alarm, and Freddie comes running outside. With a bulletproof vest on. Like he at least he thought uh, you know, ahead is like I'm gonna put a vest on if there's an intruder. Now, here, here's the thing Freddie is wearing leather pants.
0: So, what you're telling me is he got out of a tub and was <laughs> able to get leather pants on and boots and a bulletproof vest on in under two minutes. Yeah, you know how I've never worn leather pants, but I imagine they're twice as hard to get on if you're soaking wet.
1: I can only imagine. There was actually a a, a fifteen to twenty minute cut between. Uh, that just... would that would be appropriate, be like a half an hour. <laughs> I guess that
0: that's where <laughs> editing comes in. But it made it's made to look like he immediately hopped naked out of a bathtub, got fully dressed in leather gear and a bulletproof vest, and was able to get out to the front yard. And get his gun. And get his gun!
1: And so Paul has him chase this soccer ball around. Uh, okay, here's one thing that just, like, <laughs> threw me off. Paul has the soccer ball go completely around the house. And we ne- we don't see it, but, like, they it, they make it obvious that the ball goes around the house. A remote control thing would never work. And also, if you have no sight of the ball going around the house, there's no way you're going to get it around the house. I agree, and another th- and another thing.
0: Freddie Flake, his house is in the middle of nowhere. Who's playing with a soccer ball in the? Mi- there's he has no neighbors. He's in the middle of nowhere. So where would? He's not even con- once he comes out with his gun, and he sees the soccer
1: ball, and he's like, oh, shit, kids. What yeah. kids? Where are they from? <laughs> I mean, if it was like literally anyone, I'll I'll give it to the writers on this one. Like, if I went outside and I lived in the middle of nowhere and there was a soccer ball just there, I would just be confused as heck. I'd just be like, what? You know, and I'd pick it up and just be like, why is this here? And that just gives you enough time for what happens to him, you know? Ready? I'm mm-hmm. gonna take care of your dandruff problem for you. <gasps> ah! Blows them up. And
0: it's a pretty good explosion. And once again, another quality stunt. This guy is on fire. Oh, yeah. Running around. I have the the stunts in this movie are great for a low for for a lower budget movie. Yeah, we'll talk about the budget at the end. And she comes running
1: out and she's screaming. But Paul is and (laughs) and then, like you said, another funeral. (laughs) And in this one, I think it's this one when the kid runs in. Yes. And they, they all point the guns at him. Gentlemen, gentlemen, this is a house of God.
0: <laughs> so now we get Paul Kersey calls the DA and wants to meet him. It's never shown to us, but I think at this point, Charles Bronson has figured out that is that it's his assistant who is the leak, and this is a trap for him. It's never explained how Charles Bronson found this out. Yeah, he just makes he the has. connection. He just makes the connection. So he calls the D.A., meet me at my house at this uh, lot of time. The D.A.'s assistant shows up and he's like, I didn't think it would be this easy, Kersey. And Kersey just shoots him because the guy's an idiot and doesn't shoot him in the back of the head when he has a chance.
1: Yeah. He's just neither did I. Yeah. Bam. And like he's just sitting in like a kid's room. I think he's sitting in her the, daughter's room. The daughter's room? But yes. why? Like out of all I the don't places. Know. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, maybe he's like uh sad that she's been kidnapped or whatever yes. and so he's like He's you know, reminiscing. Emotional. Yeah.
0: Well, then the DA comes in and he basically says, "You know what? I'm done trying to I'm done trying to catch this guy. You, you finish what you started." Basically what he's t- what he tells Charles
1: Bronson. And in my notes, I just write, stuff happens, and Paul goes to the warehouse.
0: Right. uh, Paul dumps the informant's body. Now it's just Tommy
1: O'Shea and Sal. Pretty much everybody else is dead. Oh, at this point, that's when they're at the funeral for uh, Freddie Flakes. And the boy runs in, and he's got this note, and the note leads them to Vasquez's body in a box. You are correct. Yes, that's what happens. And so the the body comes out uh, and they're all like, oh, shit, they got him, you know. And the other, uh, what's his face with the heart pills, takes more pills because he's about to have a heart attack. And Tommy O'Shea says something snarky like he always does. And then they go to the warehouse. And this is when shit gets real. This is when shit gets real. So what happens is
0: they're using his ex fiance's daughter as bait. To lure him into the warehouse, which I don't know why they needed her as bait because he's coming after them regardless. Yeah. So they've hired three henchmen. They've hired these three henchmen off the street. So it's Tommy O'Shea and it's Sal and it's these three nameless, you know, Larry, Curly, and Mo, disposable henchmen
1: Frankie, Mickey, and something else. I think Angel. Yeah. Angel. Frankie, Mitchell, Frankie, Mitchell, and Angel. Paul gets there, and he's like, oh, shit, like, how am I going to do this? And he drives a forklift into battle. This is
0: almost the exact same scene as Death Wish 4, because there's a scene in Death Wish 4 where Charles Bronson is supposed to be driving a car, but it's not. He puts a dummy behind the wheel and sends it in, and that car gets shot to shit. This is almost the exact same scene with a forklift where he puts a mannequin behind the wheel, sends it in, and it gets shot to shit.
1: Yeah, and it gets shot to shit. Like, they blow that thing up, and then they're like, oh, no, it's just a mannequin. And so then Paul jumps out and shoots Frankie right there, and that's an instant kill. And then he shoots Mickey, and for some reason, there's an electric fence now in the warehouse, which Mickey lands on. The electric fence is guarding the vat of
0: acid. That's just safety. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Who was the first one, the bald guy, Frankie? Frankie. He only had a couple of lines, but he had a real distinctive voice. Oh, yeah, he had that, uh, I'm I'm a hired goon. And I thought with a voice like that, he probably did voiceover work. But I looked him up. He didn't. He was only an actor in a handful of movies. But I thought with a voice like that, he did cartoons or whatever. But apparently he didn't. Yeah, not a lot of famous people in this movie. Not famous people, but it was a solid
1: character actor supporting cast. Even the daughter. Like, I thought the daughter looked familiar. But when I looked her up, she was only in like six things. Well, he doesn't kill one of the One of the henchmen. He he saves Angel. Angel gets all like, oh, gosh, I'm I'm about to die. And so Paul gift wraps this guy in saran wrap and then hangs him up on a conveyor belt. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's a really he's asking where the daughter is.
0: And the guy's like, I don't know. So he puts him on this machine that spins him around and he starts wrapping himself up in cellophane. And it keeps getting higher and higher. And in the scene, the actor gets
1: his face totally wrapped up with cellophane. I noticed that. And I think, like, if you look closely, it's all bunched up around his mouth. And so if I had to guess, there's, like, a safety thing for him to breathe. And also, when he goes to take it off his face, they rip it right there at that bunch. And so it must have been, like, a safe access. But, yeah, they wrap that guy up. And as an actor, that I'd be freaking out if I had my face totally encased in cellophane.
0: Yeah, same. But he pulls it off, he rips it off, and he puts him on one of those hooks that you see in the dry cleaning place where clothes go round and round. And while this is happening, Tommy O'Shea has a walkie-talkie, and he's trying to get into, he's like, Frankie, God damn it, Frankie, you know, Angel! Fuck! You know, it's, it's, so so <laughs> this is where we... We finally see Tommy O'Shea lose his cool. Yeah, he he's been he's been cool and maniacal through this entire movie. He's finally at his breaking point right here. He he like he I think he's realized that he's in trouble at this point. So the daughter breaks away from Tommy O'Shea and Sal goes running after the daughter. And Tommy O'Shea no Tommy O'Shea goes running after the daughter.
1: And Sal's gonna go after Kersey. And so Sal. Is walking through the warehouse and he hears like someone talking and he sees Angel uh, wrapped up in the saran wrap going around the conveyor belt. And he shoots him because he's scared. And so he kills yeah. Angel. And uh, I guess Paul Kersey is saying something, too, because there's still someone talking. And he's scaring him around. And Paul uh, comes up and he shoots him. And sends him into a shredder.
0: This place is a death trap. Yeah, we've got electric fences. We got vats of acid. We've got an, an industrial shredder with no. There's no guardrails around any of the.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no safety rail, and he goes right into it. He just slides right in. You Go don't on.
0: see a lot of that, but it is pretty gruesome. Just to see his legs kicking up while he's getting shredded into that. It's like okay,
1: I I I enjoyed that. Yeah, uh, and then they show the bag. That's, like, just dripping with blood. Uh, and then right after that, Paul conveniently just finds a bottle, like, and, <laughs> like right there and just smashes it. And he's like, yep, I'm going to need this. Well, Tommy O'Shea is chasing his daughter. And Charles Bronson trips him.
0: And he loses his gun. He shoves the bottle into Tommy O'Shea's face. Since he, you know, since he wrecked the face of his fiance, yeah. he's going to do this. He does the same with him. I'll give this for Tommy O'Shea. He's scared, but he's, he's false begging for his life. He's like, what do you want me to do, beg? Please! He's
1: sarcastically begging for his life. And I think, like, another cop comes in or something like that.
0: And right, distra- the head and cop comes him.
1: in, and he gets shot. He distracts
0: him, and he gets shot. But somehow, once again, Bronson ends up with a
1: shotgun, and he's pointing it at O'Shea. And then, uh, then, then bring us home, Sean. What happens? And that's when Tommy like really starts begging. He's like, come on, I'll give you I'll give you anything you need, anything you want. And Paul goes, I don't need anything, but you, you need a bath. And he kicks him into the pool of acid. Guns make you nervous. You may have begged you, son of a bitch. Please. come back Yeah. Uh...
0: Circle and he dies, and the cops like, uh, "Get out of here, Kersey.
1: I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll handle things." Just like the last few movies, yeah. The cop is just like, "Oh yeah, get, get out of here! You, you go on." And the last line of the movie is, "Hey, Lieutenant, if you need any help, give me a call."
0: <laughs> Credits. And
1: in this movie, Paul Kersey only killed seven people
0: yes it is a softer gentler Paul Kersey in Death Wish 5
1: after five movies that's a total kill count for Paul Kersey a man who once called himself a conscientious objector a total of 115 people he uh, Jason Voorhees, has got nothing on
0: Paul Kersey yeah right uh maybe like a tenth of that and that was Death Wish 5 overall thought Sean Death Wish 5
1: you know, uh, when I saw the rating of, like, four point whatever, and then also I think on, like, Rotten Tomatoes it has, like, a rating of zero, uh, I thought it was going to be, like, absolutely terrible. Uh, but it wasn't. It wasn't as bad as uh, – I, 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 it wasn't terrible, but,
0: no, it wasn't good. No, I, I find it enjoy- – it's not a good movie, but it's an enjoyable
1: movie. Yeah. Uh, as, it's an enjoyable Death Wish movie. Am I do I have any incentive to ever watch it again? Not likely every once in a while I'll do a death wish marathon, and I'll that. watch all of them if I do a death wish marathon, then yeah, but most overall, probably not. I'll probably like if anything like watch the third one with some friends or something <laughs> um so apparently there's an alternate ending to this oh it, uh, I, go ahead, yes, go ahead, so in the original draft uh tommy o'Shea um. Are he's they're in a shootout. He's in a shootout with Kersey and he Kersey shoots the ceiling, which is was a glass ceiling, and the glass comes down and cuts up O'Shea's face and everything, and then Kersey just shoots him in the chest. But that's pretty boring. Yeah, this is a much better ending. You need a bat. If
0: you look on IMDB, this when you go like uh trivia this has like 46. So if you want to learn more about this movie, go to IMDb. It's got a lot of facts about this movie on there. For You know, for a low-budget 90s Death Wish 5 movie, it's got a ton of stuff about it.
1: Oh, I should have gone through those. Additionally, the original idea for this movie was to have Paul Kersey battling terrorists on Alcatraz Island. <laughs> Do you think that would have been better or worse? I think it would have been schlockier.
0: I think it would have been better in a bad way. I think that would have been total, total schlock, which which has its purpose. And And I think at one point, I think the
1: next movie was supposed to be a woman was supposed to take over. Yeah, someone was going to take over for him, and that just never fell through. Though they did make well. This movie was a was a this movie was a total flop. The budget was like ten million dollars, and
0: five million of that. Was Bronson's salary so half the movie's budget
1: was Bronson's salary, which is crazy. And I read that a re- one of the reasons why this failed so hard was that when the VHSs came out, there was like an earthquake that ruined like a bunch of the movies. And so when they're when they were getting sold, they just had a bunch of broken movies, and people were just really mad about it. Oh, really? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Like that's,
0: that's yeah. How could yeah, an earthquake? Because uh, Death Wish Four did really, really well in the rentals. That's why they made this one. It didn't do well at the movie theater, but Death Wish Four did did very well in in VHS rentals.
1: But it was not the last Death Wish. They made uh, one with Kevin Bacon based off of the books, and then they made another one with Bruce Willis later on. I think there was a sequel to Death Wish. The book, and that's the one
0: that stars Kevin Bacon. Death, Death Sentence, Death Sentence, and yes, they remade it with Bruce Willis. Uh, death Wish, and talk, so talk about that. That movie came out right when we had the mass school shooting. So that oh, the movie, Bruce, the Bruce Willis one, the, the Bruce Willis one came out when there was that mass school shooting. So oh, that geez. that hindered that movie. Nobody wanted to see a movie about revenge gunfire when we just had that real life tragedy.
1: Oh, it was by Eli Roth. I didn't know that. I'll check yeah. it out. Um, one thing that when I was going through all the movies that I didn't notice the first time was Herbie Hancock did the mu- the music for the first one. And Jimmy Page did the music for the second, third one.
0: Yeah. I've got the
1: Death Wish 2 soundtrack. Oh, yeah. wow. Really? Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 A lot of synthetic. Yeah. <laughs> That was one thing. Yeah, the music was pretty bland in this
1: movie. Not a focus at all. Uh, probably because all the budget went to Paul Kirkland. All the budget went to Bronson. <laughs> um, if there was a sequel, uh, do you have any ideas what it would be about? I think it was going to be the daughter of
0: Bronson just taking up his mantle and just go, you know, I, I, I may be remembering this wrong, but I think the movie starts off where, where Bronson is killed. And then his daughter goes after the people who killed him. I think. Don't quote me on that. But <laughs> I, I, I can think only that,
1: imagine. I think that was the gist of the movie. I can only imagine, like, if they had done that. And then there's just, like, three more after that of just, like, Death Wish 6, 7, 8 with the daughter. This whole, like, Death Wish world. Uh, if I were to make a sequel, I would make it, like like I'm talking about over the top schlocky where like we get a Charles Bronson impersonator and we bring him back as a zombie <laughs> and like he's got he's got to go on like some vengeance raid to like save all the people he killed or like uh like his the the dead wife and the dead daughter and stuff like they're all like mad at him and he's got to like I don't I don't know I, I didn't put as much thought into it as I should <laughs> but you can make something super fun with that now and that's
0: so all my notes. That was Death Wish 5. I would say check it out. If you're a Charles Bronson fan, you obviously check it out. But if you like a good schlocky movie that's light on plot, but it, it has great stunts, it's got you know, it's got a few interesting kills. There are some we, we make fun of Charles Bronson using a stunt double in some scenes, but there are a lot of scenes where he is hopping around. He's he's moving a lot. It, it's not one of these every shot is a stunt double. You know, he uses a stunt double in this movie where it's appropriate to use a stunt double.
1: Yeah.
0: But there's a lot of shots of him moving at 73. He's getting around. He He's moving. You can see it. You know, the, the camera's on his face. Well, he jogs. I give him all the Scott. credit. Yeah.
1: He, he jogs. <laughs> he he jogs. can do that. He <laughs> jogs. Uh, yeah. I, I think overall uh, as a closer uh, for five films, It was pretty decent. I mean, like, when you go five films into a series, uh, a lot of the times, uh, most films get super terrible. It's very rare that a fifth film is actually good. Uh, But it was decent. Uh, Could they have had a better closer? I think so. But overall, not too bad. Not too bad. Not too bad. And like you said, what do
0: you expect from a a fifth film in a movie? Yeah. in In a movie franchise?
1: Yeah. All
0: right, Sean, give us all your info. Where can people find you?
1: All right, friends, if you'd like to, uh, you can check out all of my stuff through drawbook.net, uh, which is a collection of over 13,000 individual works of art from people I've met. Uh, and that'll have all the links of everything I do, uh, but also my music, "Hood a thunk can be found worldwide on every streaming platform. I'm working on my 77th album right now. Uh, you can also find I uh, take photos of ceilings at the art of ceilings on Instagram. Uh, I've got several podcasts, uh, Mic Check, Sound and Silence, The Last Podcast, and Inner and Outer Reality in Reality and Outside. And additionally, uh, the Dropbook website should be updated soon. I hired a web developer, so keep an eye out for all of that because everything's going to be conglomerized into one site and last but not least you can find scott and i at comedy sports houston absolutely
0: well thank you sean thank you for doing this we are, now we are done with the death wishes the death uh-huh. wish unless we we might i might do since it does connect i we might do the bruce willis death wish oh okay even though charles bronson's not in it it's still it's still that connective tissue a remake I, I We might do that one. I, I, I'm going to think about that. But if I, if I do do that one, do-do. <laughs> if, <laughs> if we do do that one, I will definitely get you aboard on that. Yeah, absolutely. Just let me know. All right. This has been another episode of the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening, and we'll see you here next time. Later. To support this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash Scott and give what you're able. If you're listening on iTunes, please give a review. This should help people find the podcast when they're searching. Uh, No matter what services you use to listen, please leave feedback. We always want to improve. Thank you for listening to the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson podcast.
1: What are you going to do about me? Don't worry, I'll take care of it. Girl's outside. She's safe. Thanks,
0: Lieutenant. Hey, Lieutenant, if you need any help, give me a call.
1: Cross the Streams Media Podcast.